There's a big misunderstanding that the Bible isn't too concerned with money. The fact is, the Bible has a lot to say about money because the choices we make with money reflect what's in our heart. Welcome to First 15, where we listen to God and respond to His Word in a personal way. I'm Ron, and I'll be your guide on this journey. We're all followers here, following God, reflecting on His Word, and responding to Him in prayer. If you're new to First 15, follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. You're in the right place to grow your faith. In Season 4, we're reading and praying through a few New Testament letters. We're listening to James, one of the general letters of the New Testament. In five chapters, James addresses five or six main topics. The teaching and encouragement he gives is practical and hard-hitting at the same time. The intent of our podcast is, a lot like James's letter, to apply the truth of God's message beyond the first 15 minutes to the rest of your life. We follow a four-step process. You can find details at wordofprayer.com. That's with dashes. Money. We treat it like it's a big deal. We treat people with money like they're a big deal, and poor people like they don't really count, at least not as much. And it's one of those things like racism that we like to think we aren't really guilty of, but our actions and attitudes show that we really are biased on the subject of money and who has it. That issue has been around a long time, as we hear in this episode of First 15. We're going to read and listen to the first 13 verses from chapter 2 of James. My brothers, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ of glory with partiality. For if a man with a gold ring in fine clothing comes into your synagogue, and a poor man in filthy clothing also comes in, and you pay special attention to him who wears the fine clothing, and say, sit here in a good place, and you tell the poor man, stand over there, or sit down by my feet. Haven't you shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, didn't God choose those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Don't the rich oppress you and personally drag you before the courts? Don't they blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? However, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin, being convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. So speak and take action as people who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In this section of James, it really comes out that he is talking to Jewish Christians of the first century and challenging them on their own inconsistencies. Though many of his readers are poor in material things, they still show partiality to the rich, which is ironic 
because it's the rich who are oppressing them and giving them a lot of trouble. That's the background of this letter. The strange thing is, this human tendency to be biased about wealth or to favor the rich or seek the favor of the rich is very much still with us. Even those who want to punish the rich today are often secretly wishing or coveting that they had nicer things and some of the comforts and perks that come with being rich. Yet, like those that James writes to in the first century, we often can't see our own tendencies to judge or our own biases for that matter. They are deep-seated in our hearts though. God knows that sin has entered the human race, entered our hearts and twisted the original goodness that we had. That's why he gave his people in ancient times the law to teach them and train them in how to live like his image bearers. You know, this section of James just sounds strangely familiar to me, like I've heard this somewhere before. I want to explore that with you a little bit further and share with you some of the things that I found. James says in verse 1 of chapter 2, Don't hold the faith of Jesus Christ with partiality. Now, is that James's personal opinion? No, it actually comes from Torah, from the law in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 15 says, Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great or rich, but judge your neighbor fairly. Wow. That one verse hits all the points that James is talking about in chapter 2. He gets more specific in verses 2 through 4 when he says, How do we treat rich and poor visitors to our meetings? Do we give extra attention and favor to the wealthy and powerful and less respect to the poor? Yeah, we do. And then he says something that we don't really want to hear. God has chosen the poor to be rich in faith. Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 6, verse 20, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, while the truth is that all people need God, the poor are often the ones driven to seek God and admit they need God more often and sooner than the rich who have comfort and many of their needs met. So God gives faith to the poor and humble because they are the first ones to seek Him and often the most desperate. We as humans are very concerned with money and we let it warp our character. We pursue it and we give honor to those who have it or at least more of it than we do. God is concerned with money not because He needs it or because He shares our values, but because He wants to use it to train our character. Here's God's bigger concern. Do you value people or money most? Let's go back to the Torah. In fact, we're still in Leviticus 19, but just a few verses down, it says, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am Yahweh. That's Leviticus 19 verse 18. When Jesus was asked by the Jewish leaders and teachers uh, of his day about the law and which was the most important commandment, he answered it this way, 
love God with everything you've got, which is my paraphrase of Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 5, which Jesus himself quoted. And then he goes on to say, and love your neighbor as yourself, which is a quote of Leviticus 19.18. We just heard from it. So Jesus doesn't answer the question the way it's asked. He doesn't just name the most important commandment. He names the top two. Love God is the first and most important, but he quickly follows that up with, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, in 1 John, it says, you really can't claim to love God if you don't love your fellow man or your neighbor. The two go together, hand in hand, and that's what Jesus teaches. Now, that doesn't mean that the rest of the laws can be safely ignored just because these two are set aside by Jesus as the most important or not really set aside. They are emphasized by Jesus as most important. James says that if you stumble in keeping even one part of the law, you miss it all. You're guilty of breaking all of it. But, you know, James doesn't come up with that all by himself. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 verse 19 specifically, said the same thing. In fact, there is a lot in Matthew 5 that lies behind what James teaches here in James chapter 2. We won't take time right now to go into that, but I would point you there and say there's a lot that you could get out of going back to Matthew 5 and meditating on it and then going back and reading James 2 once again. Let's take a moment to pray this scripture back to God. God, a heart of wisdom is what I ask for. I really don't like my biases exposed. I don't like to admit that I favor the rich over the poor. Please forgive me. I need you, in spite of all I have, the blessings and the comforts, none of them give me what I most need. Lord, I look to you and your word to show me what is right and good. Thank you for your law. And thank you most of all for your son who shows me the way of love. Help me love my neighbor as myself. Make me a doer of this message and not a hearer only. Help me to value justice and not to judge people. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. To apply this truth to today can be simple, but it might also take some deeper work on our hearts. I would recommend going back to Matthew 5, like I mentioned just a minute ago, just listening to or reading the whole chapter. Now that's 48 verses, but if you go back and read Matthew 5 and meditate on some of the common concerns that Jesus and James share, you'll find something really precious in that, something really valuable. We have to go and do the Word. We have to stop injustice and to show love to our neighbor. It's not easy. But to ignore this application is to look in the mirror and then go away and forget what we just saw. I pray we don't let that happen. If you want some encouragement in your walk with God, consider the journey with Jesus, 
We featured it in season two of First 15 and in book one of Journey with Jesus, Praying Your Way Through Matthew's Gospel, we had several lessons focusing on Matthew chapter five. You can get a copy of the book on Amazon and also you could listen to the podcast from First 15 season two. As I recall, we had one lesson taken from uh, Matthew 5 and four lessons in total taken from the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I'd also invite you to join us Wednesday mornings for prayer coaching on our Facebook page. Check that out at Word of Prayer 15 and be sure to like the page if you haven't done that already. You can find these resources at wordofprayer.com or there's links on our Facebook page for Word of Prayer to get details. For today, walk in love. Seek God and love Him with your whole heart and also love your neighbor as yourself. Blessings.